This episode of How I Built It is brought to you by two great sponsors. The first is our season-long sponsor. Liquid Web has been best known as a managed hosting company with tons of options. It's also designed a managed WordPress offering that is perfect for mission-critical sites. If you're looking for improved performance, maximized uptimes, and incredible support, Liquid Web is the partner you've been looking for. Every Liquid Web managed WordPress customer has iTheme Sync integrated into their managed portal, allowing them to update several sites with a single touch. Liquid Web hosts all of my critical websites and I couldn't be happier with them. If you sign up today, using the discount code HOWIBUILTIT33, you get 33% off for the next six months. Visit buildpodcast.net slash liquid to get started. That's buildpodcast.net slash liquid. It's also brought to you by WPCRM System. WPCRM System is a customer relationship management system that is designed for digital marketing professionals. Unlike other CRM solutions on the market, WPCRM System believes that you should always be able to access your data. That's why WPCRM System doesn't charge more for extra users or lock you into expensive contracts just to access your customer's information. WPCRM System is run on your WordPress website, not a third-party website, so you'll own all of your data. It integrates with many popular WordPress plugins such as Gravity Forms, WooCommerce, and Easy Digital Downloads, as well as third-party apps like Slack, MailChimp, and Zendesk. In addition to customer records, WPCRM System can also be a project management tool for your growing business. Display progress reports to clients in their customer client portal and collect payments via Stripe through the built-in invoicing system. Go to buildpodcast.net slash CRM to learn more and to get 20% off any plan with the discount code HOWIBUILTIT. Now today, my guest is Nathan Tyler. I met Nathan at WordCamp DC over the summer and uh, we got to talking about his really cool project, Staging Pilot. And so I asked him to be on the show. He also sponsored an episode a while back. And it's a very interesting conversation because we get pretty developery, which I totally love to do. So we talk about kind of his smart algorithm to uh, figure out differences between the production and the staging site and a whole bunch of other things. So make sure to put your developer hat on for this one because it is a doozy. Uh, And without further ado, on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of How I Built It, the podcast that asks, how did you build that? Today, my guest is Nathan Tyler of Tyler Digital and Staging Pilot. Is that about right? I, I yep. should have asked you that like a moment ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, Nathan, uh, welcome. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. So, uh, so we met at WordCamp DC over the summer, uh, and I was very interested to hear about Staging Pilot because... Uh, Staging sites are like having a an environment that is safe from production, but mimics production well is uh, can be very difficult, right? Like managing a bunch of different changes. So I'm always interested to hear about that stuff. But let's start at the beginning. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do and how you came up with the idea? Sure, sure. So and Nathan, I've been doing uh, consulting work since uh, like 2004. That's when I started doing client work. And I've worked on a variety of little projects and plugins and products, Staging Pilot being the most recent. And 
uh, trying to do a little bit of both, which has obviously been a challenge that I think a lot of people have tried to take on. So a staging pilot uh, kind of came about because my maintenance business, so like my consulting, you know, building websites for clients business, we were having uh, a lot of success with uh, maintenance plans and finding that was our kind of gateway into recurring revenue and, you know, updating people's plugins and testing that everything worked and sending them the updates of what happened. And we got up to about 50 maintenance plans, which was really giving me more freedom and time to pursue products and projects. Uh, but it was just really overwhelming the amount of time it was taking. One of the guys that I had hired on to help me with uh, development tasks and building out sites, like probably like half of his month was going to just dealing with, you know, all of these updates and the issues that would pop up. And, you know, inevitably the one day that it would be marked aside to update this site, it would blow up. And then there went the rest of the day or the week and it was always an emergency. So the very beginnings were like, how do we automate little pieces of this? And I, of course, estimated it would take me maybe a month to uh, hack out some uh, shell scripts and WPCLI things that we could automate it all this stuff. And it's kind of grown and grown and grown over the last three years uh, to where it is today. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So estimated a month and that was three years ago. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. That sounds, that sounds like most software projects. I, <laughs> well, I, you know, actually kudos to you, right? Cause I'll estimate on a month to do something and then we'll hit that month and I won't be done. And I'll be like, well, I guess this is never seeing the light of day. <laughs> so kudos to you for sticking with it. And I'm, always really interested in this, especially now because I'm in the product space fully. Like I'm trying very hard not to take on client work. What's it like kind of uh, straddling the line between freelance work and, and selling a product? Because they're two very different things, right? Yeah, it it was very difficult, you know, especially at the beginning when you just don't have the time to dedicate to it. I think the first thing that got me enough freedom to spend time on the product was the maintenance plans and the recurring revenue because I had that base even if we're not doing new project work that was the one thing that was you know over the years was building up and to the point where we have like 50 of those ongoing plans like it gives you enough to cover all you know a lot of base expenses and start stepping in that direction so that was definitely a big help and then Honestly, it didn't work so well. Like, you know, when you're trying to split your time between clients and projects, uh, uh, products, like the clients always win, you know, it's always the angry email and it's always very clear what needs to be done versus like your product is this big abstract, wonderful thing you have to like think about a lot. And it's always easier and more demanding and more clear to have to work on that urgent priority from a client. So the thing that I found is that uh, it was getting neglected for quite a while and then uh, I actually hired someone and then this just said like, you're not touching client work, like only working on products. And that was probably the biggest moment for me was like, you know, psychologically I, I was, uh, you know, happier at least working on, you know, this client stuff. I wasn't like begrudging and angry that like, Oh, my product isn't getting anywhere. You know, I knew that it was making progress every day, you know, incrementally, even if I wasn't actually writing that code. And also it was just like a consistent effort, you know, and over time, I've, you know, ramped up my time. At the beginning, I was spending three or four hours a week. And then we had full-time work going on it. And then I've kind of increased my time. So at this point, I'm like, I'm down to only a couple actual client projects. And I'm very close to getting all the way to product. <laughs> 
Nice. That's awesome. And I mean, you raise a couple of really good points there, which is, you know, you, when you're splitting your time, it's, it's like, for me, it's a lot easier to just choose the freelance work. Like, well, this is guaranteed income and it's not necessarily guaranteed. It's a lot of work to market your product and stuff like that. But it sounds like you made time by hiring somebody who you decided this person would have the time. I'll focus on the nearly guaranteed income and you focus on this product that I want to build. So uh, that's interesting for anybody out there who wants to kind of do both and wants to move from freelancing to, to products. You probably need to make a decision about how you want to spend your time and if you're able to hire somebody to help you get there. Yeah. And if it was just me, like I think if if I was like solo, I probably would have just made that switch and started reallocating my time. But, you know, since I'd been building up the consulting side for years, like I had like a team. And so me just like pulling the plug and saying, oh, yeah, we're just doing products now. <laughs> like, you know, nobody has any work to do, like wasn't really uh, something I, I wanted to do or would do. So I was in a slightly different situation. So I think there's different ways you can go about it. But it did kind of help get the ball rolling, you know, and then I could kind of start switching over my time as it was a little further along. Nice. That's awesome. So it sounds like part of the research process was just figuring out the things that you do uh, that possibly could be automated. But uh, did you do any other research to see like what products were out there or what kind of feature set you want? Uh, well, I'm sorry if I implied there was any research process. It was uh... <laughs> no. Uh, actually, as we were building all that stuff, I was simultaneously trying to uh, uh, pitch a different product that went just absolutely nowhere. So I, you know, I obviously had the self rationalization that many entrepreneurs do that oh, this, you know, I'm going to build this for myself and other people might want it. But it was primarily like started out as just something that we were going to use internally and you know, to save time and automate all these processes away. You know, I figured there would be other people in my position, but I was not like, that was not going to be the main thing that I was trying to promote or sell. And as I was talking to people at WordCamps and like trying to pitch them my other thing, I would get that glazed over look in their eyes and, you know, like flat responses. But then I, I did start to get questions about this from like people in my meetup group and, oh, you know, could I try out, you know, the uh, staging pilot thing on a couple of my sites. And so that kind of, uh, I fell backwards into my research process of, oh, actually, some people are actually asking about this proactively. Yeah. And there might be some interest there. That's funny. That's funny, because uh, I mean, especially on this show, I'm talking to the people who have the products that they were just scratching their own itch, and it became a popular thing. And And it seems this seems to be the case for staging pilot, too. But you never hear about all of the projects that were like, well, I thought this would be useful. So I, I thought other people would also find it useful, but they don't. Yeah. <laughs> I find a lot of, I mean, I guess the same thing could be said about a lot of things I do. And then the podcast is the thing I backed into. Like I was like, oh, I'll do a podcast to help promote my online courses. And the, the podcast is way more popular <laughs> than my online courses. Yeah. So that's that's really interesting. So uh, conversations with people at at WordCamps and things like that. Do you have a, a, a mastermind group or, or contemporaries that you talk to? Yeah, I, I belong to a couple. So, you know, I have a couple guys that we talk like once every month. And, that you know, that's helpful just to kind of bounce ideas around. And one's in the WordPress space. One is outside of WordPress, which is kind of like online business, which is it's always good to get a slightly different perspective too. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and that was my follow-up question is... uh. 
you know, I've been in mastermind groups where it's like vastly different backgrounds. And I'm currently in one where we're all kind of course developers for different people. Uh, and I, you know, I think that finding the good mix or finding a couple of mastermind groups is important. You want, you want people who understand your business, but it's also great to have the person who doesn't at all understand the space you're in to ask you like those basic questions or leading questions that could help you come to a, a different answer. Right. So. Yeah. Awesome. So it's, it's been a while, at least in the order in which I'm recording my episodes that I've talked to a developer. Uh, so I'm very excited to ask uh, you this question, which is how did you build it? I know you mentioned like shell scripts and WPCLI, but I'm excited to get to like the nitty gritty tech stuff here because I haven't I haven't talked tech seriously with somebody in a while. Okay, well yeah, there's there's a lot of it. So. <laughs> yeah, sure. So at the very basic setup, you know, we set up some WPCLI scripts to automate you know the actual plugin updates, and then we need an environment, a staging copy of a site to like run all those updates, and then we in- implemented our tests. Actually, I don't even know if we've really covered what staging pilot does i think we jumped right in <laughs> but yeah, I, I probably should have i probably should have covered that in the intro <laughs> we, we both we both definitely made an assumption that people understand what staging environments are so yeah let's rewind a little bit and say what does staging pilot do first yeah so basically if, if you're selling maintenance plans for your clients it helps you automate all of those steps so you know creating because everybody knows you're not supposed to click update in production and cross your fingers and hope, but you're actually supposed to do it on a local development or a staging environment. But as everybody knows, like keeping those staging environments in sync and up to date with the live site is slow and tedious. And a lot of times you just end up clicking it in production. So staging pilot creates a copy of the site, does all of the updates there. It'll actually take screenshots of all your pages before and after, and they do a pixel by pixel comparison and figure out if anything broke as a result of those updates. And then if everything passes, then it goes and applies those updates to the production site. Uh, it also generates an email report uh, that you can send to your client you know, at the end of the month. So basically all those different steps you know, in fulfilling a maintenance plan for a client are taken care of. And if everything's going smoothly, it's all 100% automated. If uh, something breaks, you get a notification and you can look at the before and the after view of the page that broke um, and it'll tell you which plugin was updated when it broke and you know all the updates get halted there and you get a chance to address it and that's how we differentiate ourselves from you know a full service company like WP SiteCare or something where like they're actually fixing the problems for you we're a tool for the agency and for the developer who you know they built the site and you know they're offering the maintenance plan and they're going to get that profit 90% of the time when there's no nothing to do at all. Mm-hmm. But you know, when there's something to fix, we're alerting to them to that before it goes live. And so they have time to work it into their schedule, but then they're responsible for fixing it. So, so that's what staging pilot does. And then <laughs> under the hood, there's obviously a lot of tech to do that. So we have the actual updates themselves, you know, our updates that are run by WPCLI uh, to set up that staging environment. We have like one-click integrations with um, a couple hosts, you know, like uh, Pantheon and Cloudways, and we're working on one with WP Engine so that we can actually use the staging sites provided by those hosting environments like the managed hosts. But even if you don't have that, even if it's just a vanilla FTP connection on a you know, GoDaddy server or something, we can we spin up a 
staging copy of the site. We synchronize all the files in the database uh, before we run the update. So we'll use like FTP commands on the command line and database. We migrate everything over and then we take screenshots of the staging site versus your production site to make sure before anything starts that they're identical. Nice. So that's a, it's almost like setting the dirty bit or whatever, right? Like if we're getting like super tight, like you're, you're making sure that the, these things are definitely the same before you even get started. Yeah. And then we run the updates with WPCLI and then we take another round of screenshots. We see if they've changed again and then, you know, either deploy those changes or create a, you know, an error notification and you get that test result view where you can see the before and after. So that's kind of the, the really quick rundown of the workflow. And then we obviously have to have, so that's the, the stuff doing the actual work. And then we also have the whole customer facing application, like where you log in to look at your sites and the status of them and add new sites. So it's kind of, we have different, like those are pretty separate efforts. You know, we're using the REST API and everything and that communicates to both sides. So the, you know, the engine doing all of the work and the updates and the tests, and then also just the application where the customer goes to log in and look. Nice. That's awesome. So I have uh, several follow-up questions and we'll just work backwards. So you mentioned the REST API. What language are you using to talk to the REST API? <laughs> uh, on, on which side? Like, uh, let's go, let's go both. Cause you know, there's been a lot of discussion sure. at least at the time of this recording, like what JavaScript thing should you use or whatever. So sure. So we're using Vue.js in our customer facing application. We actually have a few React components that we started with, but we've actually switched to Vue. I haven't actually migrated those pieces over. They're kind of independent. So we have a little bit of both going on our, our site, but it, it's actually not a full headless, like it's not a full React app or whatever. We're actually using the WordPress template API and okay. you know the user authentication system and so page templates that have like you know Vue and React components inside of them. Gotcha. Which originally I thought I was going to do a whole React you know app from all headless and all the routing and everything. And as we were just starting to get into that, we were just running into issues and there was so much work going into the actual platform and execution itself that you know, I said, okay, well, let's get something quick up for now. Let's use the tools that we know, which also let me use more of the developers I have on my agency side. And, yeah, right, right. and we were able to get up quicker. And, you know, all in all, I think it's been, it's been a lot easier to manage, especially because that technology is changing so quickly. And then like when we switched like to Vue, it was much less of a problem because we weren't so embedded in the React router setup. Yeah. So nice. That's, that's awesome. And reassuring because I've decided that I'm going to start, like I've chosen Vue.js as the framework or whatever that I'm going to learn. So hopefully that, you know, hopefully I'm not like isolating myself or whatever. So uh, you mentioned that if a hosting company or if a client's host does not offer staging, you spin that up yourself. So are do you kind of have your own infrastructure? Yeah. So, as... so our whole platform runs on Amazon Web Services. So we okay. spin up like EC2 instances that actually handle the uh, staging sites. Gotcha. And uh, so you're taking screenshots. So you're kind of verifying, validating uh, that they're very similar. But do you do you try to do anything to match the stats? Like, okay, this site is running... PHP 5.6, do you try to spin up an EC2 box that has 5.6 on it? 
Yeah, so for like the the managed hosts, obviously on their own staging, the environments are practically identical. But for ours, right. we're trying to match, uh, so we can match PHP version and a couple stats. I mean, it's it's fairly. It is not going to be an exact match if you have mm-hmm. some enterprise server or something that has super specific configurations. But we match the PHP right. version and we uh, try to match the MySQL version as well, and that's you know usually good enough, especially because WordPress plugins are you know, meant to work on every version and like, yeah. Cool. So this is the question I think I'm most interested in because machine, machine learning is an interesting thing to me. Like my master's thesis was doing like predictive traffic patterns in 2008, like before GPS devices just did that. So when you take screenshots of each page, how do you determine what is close enough? Right. Because, I mean, you might have like small changes that are not necessarily affected by the plugin. Maybe it's like just the way the page happened to be rendered at the time. So how do you determine like this is definitely a thing that's broken or this is close enough that it's probably just a weird thing? So that is the million dollar question, (laughs) which is the uh, has been one of the things that's taken the most time, like, you know, to get our first version up where, okay, we're taking screenshots and we're taking a screenshot before and after, and we're doing pixel comparison. You know, if there's 0% different, like we're going to go ahead and push it live. Like that was pretty easy. And we were done with that. Mm-hmm. And then followed like months and months and months and months of like, how do we handle the edge cases and what confidence do we have that this is the same? So what we've actually landed on is it's a pretty sophisticated combination of things. Like that's actually a lot of our, custom code and logic is built around that. But one of the things we do is we try to normalize the page before we take the screenshot. So we'll actually manipulate uh, the DOM and the HTML before we take the screenshot. So if you have an auto-playing video, we actually rewind it to the first frame and we pause the video. If you have a slider, we rewind to the first slider because sometimes like the load time, you end up taking a screenshot when you're on slide two instead of slide one. Right we strip out like if you have a light box that pops up with like opt-in monster or something we can have an option to dismiss that because sometimes they show up and sometimes they don't and then that's a huge difference right yeah that's that's gonna say something's broken also advertisements so if you've got you know google adsense on your site even if nothing has changed it can be just a different size banner ad and that throws the pixels way off that flags it as like oh it's changed like 40% even though yeah. you know now i just have a skyscraper ad instead of a smaller banner ad so basically we we do all of those steps to normalize it we strip out those things uh, we have options to strip out social feeds from twitter and instagram facebook that kind of stuff then we take the screenshot so that eliminates a lot of stuff off the bat but on top of that like you might have just natural content that's random like your homepage might have testimonials and on every page load, you're loading a different testimonial. So what we do is when you load a site onto Staging Pilot, we actually scan the navigation of your site uh, and figure out, you know, what are the main pages of this site? You know, okay, home, about, blog, contact, so that we have some default pages to take screenshots of. And then we take screenshots of each of those pages like 10 times in a row, not changing any code, not doing anything. Uh, Let's just see how much does it change by default. And we might discover... Your contact page is really boring. There's nothing on it. It never changes. So 0% is, you know, the threshold that we want for that. But your homepage, it's got a testimonial and, uh, you know, maybe it's got some little sidebar thing. And every time we load it, um, you know, it's changing 10%, 15%, 16%. We take the highest percentage of there 
and then we set that as the threshold. So if your homepage changes 18% on average uh, when it, you know, not changing anything, then that's your threshold. So when we take the screenshots before and after to do that evaluation of like, did it break or not? We are actually comparing it. Each, each page has its own uh, set threshold, which you can adjust later. Like if you find that it's flagging it too often or not enough, you can adjust that. But between those two things, uh, we've gotten really good, you know, confidence wise, you know, so like my agency runs maybe like 80 sites a month through the platform. And we probably have maybe five or 10 false positives. You know, the updates are running every day on 80 sites and there's like five or 10 times a month where we'll log in and be like, Oh, that's not right. And then it's usually solved by, okay, yeah, we did the client change some content on that page and now it's a little bit more random and we need to, you know, increase the threshold. But you know, that's, that's a lot of screenshots and a lot of checks that have gotten pretty right. confident now. Man, that is, that's awesome. So uh, do you have a background in computer science out of curiosity? No, I, I, my uh, degree is in economics and business. So I've, uh, gotcha. I've been working with computers forever, but you know, I've taken some nice. computer science classes, but not a major, not a professional, just, gotcha. <laughs> just because like, this seems like a very interesting, like academic problem, right? Just like, how do you determine what's a regular change on a website and what's like a broken website. So that sounds very cool. And I could talk to you for a lot longer about that, but we are coming up on time and I have two more questions that I like to ask, right? We talked a little bit about the transformations, right? So uh, that's usually a question I like to ask, but I think we've sufficiently covered that unless there's something like other major transformation we haven't talked about. No, no, that's good. All right, cool. So what are your plans for the future of Staging Pilot? So I think, you know, we've spent... Uh, a lot of time getting the product ready and working out a lot of these edge cases, you know, handling different kinds of plugins and all those different scenarios I was describing with the screenshots. So at this point, you know, we're, you know, we're just focusing on our integrations with you know, hosting platforms and making it easier. Because one of the challenges that we found is that, you know, people, well, I can talk to them and they're excited and like definitely want to do it. And if they aren't on one of our like one click partners, it still just takes some time, right? Like they got to get their credentials in order. They got to like, it doesn't even take that long, but it takes half a day to kind of get all your sites and get them kind of set up. And, right. you know, we've been assisting people with that process, which has helped a lot. But I think the main thing to kind of help us grow is like, how can somebody, you know, say, yes, I want to do this and try it out in like five minutes. Gotcha. Yeah. And so our, our focus is kind of building out those features and, you know, and then just, you know, working with more customers and seeing what else needs to be there. But that's kind of where we're headed. That's awesome. And definitely something to certainly look forward to. Uh, so I will make sure to link staging pilot in the show notes, of course, uh, to check it out. If you do, if you're a freelancer who does a lot of maintenance work or a developer or an agency, this sounds like a tool that can save you uh, a lot of time in the long run. You know, it sounds like uh, for like one hour of billable work or two hours of billable work, you can kind of automate this process. Awesome. So with that, I'm going to ask you my favorite question, which is, do you have any trade secrets for us? Uh, I, I guess I'd say that glazed over look I referenced earlier uh, to be watching out for it. Uh, when you're talking to people about your project or your product or whatever you're working on, almost everyone will be too polite to tell you that they don't care at all or it's not interesting or it's fatally flawed even though, you know, that would actually be helpful things to hear. No one will say that. And so, you know, in the past, like, I've, this is probably my 12th or 13th, you know, product or 
project of some kind that I've, you know, I been my exit from uh, client work. You know, I've had lots of different ideas over the years and I've always worked on them for a very long time and then revealed them to the world to, you know, no interest whatsoever. So being able to watch for those reactions or lack of reactions and then take those into account earlier has really helped. You know, if I, I say 12 or 13 and probably, you know, six of those have been in the last like year and a half or two years, you know, like basically from when I started Staging Pilot three years ago, it, I was getting a lot faster at listening to that feedback and saying, okay, time to move on, you know, and maybe you scrap the whole project or maybe, maybe you just realize that maybe I need to look at a different market. You know, if you're really convinced that it is the product, maybe you're just looking or trying to sell to the wrong people, but you know, people can be very excited and enthusiastic and still not like actually take the steps to use your product. So if you don't have overwhelming enthusiasm at like when you're in person and they're trying to be polite to you, then, you know, you're gonna have a pretty hard time. Gotcha. I, I love that because I think a lot of us are probably guilty of just, I think this is a great idea and I'm going to do it. And certainly, surely people will buy it. And even if you say to somebody, Hey, if this existed, would you buy it? Yeah, Yeah, sure. I don't have to buy it right now. Right. (laughs) So, so that's just great advice. And on that, uh, Nathan, thank you for joining me today. I really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Lots of great stuff in there. Might even be worth a second listen to parse everything out. And definitely check out Staging Pilot. It's a really, really cool tool. Uh, And if you're a freelancer, it could save you time, money, all sorts of things. Other things that could save you time and money are are our sponsors for this week. So Liquid Web has been a season-long sponsor. I am eternally grateful to them for that uh, because the season likely wouldn't have happened without their support. Uh, And they offer incredible hosting. I host all of my websites on Liquid Web or all the big ones anyway. Uh, And they have a great offer for how I built it listeners. If you go to buildpodcast.net slash liquid. Uh, And then a new sponsor this week is uh, you heard at the top of the show, WPCRM. So uh, if you're looking to have a CRM that you host and own all the data, uh, definitely worth checking out. And they are offering a 20% discount to how I built it listeners as well. So make sure to check them out at buildpodcast.net slash CRM. Now we're entering the home stretch of season three. It's been a great year. Uh, the next couple of episodes are fantastic. I'm really excited for them. Uh, we've got the folks from Sightlock coming up, and then we're closing the season out with Morton Rand Hendrickson, and that's going to be an hour-long season finale bonanza. So uh, make sure to keep an eye on whatever feed you use to get the latest episodes. Uh, and if you're enjoying the show, please, please, please head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. If you do, I will perhaps read your review on the air. So uh, until next time, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Thanks to Nathan for coming on the show. Thanks to Liquid Web and WPCRM System for sponsoring. And until next time, get out there and build something.